Welcome to everyone's favorite podcast, It's Reclaimed Audio, with your hosts, Phil Pinsky, Bill Lutz, and Tim Sway. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode 264 for December 2nd, 2020. This week's top Patreon supporters are Lakeside Woodcrafter, Klingspore Woodworking Shop, Stu Morrison, and the Godfather, Jimmy DeResta. I said like that that was the end of the list. It's not. Scott Turner, Greg Mead, Chad Grossclaws, Shane Bronson, Jeff Shaw, Infinite Craftsman, LiquidRC.com, Jim Bashirs, Paul Jackman, the boys over at Maybe I've Said Too Much, Creator Nader, Wesley the Treat Treat, <laughs> Rob Ray, Darren Mattis, Isotunes, Tim Holliner, and of course, Gangi and Pop Pop Makerspace. Uh, you know, real quick, hey, I gotta you tell interrupted you, the uh, bell. You, gave, you didn't give the bell its space. You didn't give the red. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. So it's too late now. You ruined it. No, you ruined it. You ruined everything. Well, I ruined it. I ruined it for good reason go. because you mentioned ISO tunes mm. and. Uh, oh yeah, yeah oh, yes. Tell us sure. about. I'm wearing. I am wearing my ISO tunes link. So ISO tunes uh, sent all of us some new uh, the full size headgear bad mama Gemma things. And uh, I got my. I'm wearing them for the podcast. And I got to tell you, and I'm not kidding. I'm not saying just because they sent it to me for free. Because the first thing they sent me for free, I haven't used since they gave it to me because I didn't like it. The second thing I liked a lot, this is the best by far. This is a full-size headgear. I don't know what you would call it. Earmuff style. Over-the-ear muff style noise cancelers, yeah. What they are is bad mamma jammas. They just are. They're comfortable. They are extremely comfortable. The clarity with which the the noise comes into your earballs is amazing. The volume is not super high, but it doesn't need to be. It's like you ever put on a um, put your head between a couple of speakers and turn the volume only up a little bit and listen to some good rock and roll. Mm. That's what these are like on your head. It's amazing. So I'm I'm not just blowing smoke. They really knocked it out of the park with these. Uh, Tim, I know you got yours, right? I did. I just got mine in the mail today. Um, I. I didn't get a chance to like sync them up and, and try them yet, but I put them on. As just I was running, walking around the house, I just like put them on. I was walking around the house, and within minutes, I felt like relaxed because they just block out all that like ambient noise and stuff. Like I could still hear my my family talking and everything, but but it just like sort of it. They I was very very excited because uh, now what what were the ones the freeze that they sent us? Free. The, yes, the freeze are really tune free. Yeah, they're really cool, but they they don't block enough sound for me, and they're not loud enough for me because I'm you know twenty something years as a rock and roll musician, I can't hear anything. Um, and so what I do usually use are the extras, which have the cable, which I like because I could like mm-hmm. leave them hanging around my neck as the necklace I put them in, and those I can hear even when I'm running tools, but they don't block out as much as like the noise, the old ugly noise canceling headphones I have. And so these like are have that noise canceling quality that just makes me feel like I'm wearing a blanket. Uh, um, I haven't, like I said, I haven't heard the sound quality yet. I haven't like synced out to my phone yet or anything. But um, I'm super well, excited. You'll, super you'll excited be happy about when you do. And they're very cool. Be happy when you do. Yeah. And, I mean, and kind of what I'm I'll probably get them in three weeks. I was going to say you're a little bit delayed, so I'm exactly excited about that because we're going to let this simmer down a little bit, and we'll forget about how amazing these isotunes. Uh, link are, and then in a week or two, you're going to come up with, "Hey, guess what I got?" You're going to, you're going to agree with me, and then I'm going to say, "You're welcome." Can you take them off and put them around your neck for a second? 
Okay, put them back on. How did that feel? Did they pinch your neck, or could you yeah. see yourself just like walking around like that? Yeah. I mean, they're just comfortable. They have the right amount of pressure. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because like my my normal yellow cans, if yeah. I take if I want to take them off my head for a second, I can't leave them around my neck because they pinch too hard. Well, see, that's the thing is I think what they did, you don't have to do that if you have a good fit around the ear. And because these have a good fit around the ear, they don't need to like right. shove your skull, collapse your skull right. in, right? Yeah, yeah. And, like the, the yellow ones so, are like, I don't know. I mean, I guess I have big ears, but the yellow ones, I always felt like it was pinching either the top or the bottom of my ear. Like yeah. it didn't sit right. Yeah. And, and after like wearing it for like two hours, they'd be like, oh, I got to take them off for a while. Um, yes. Oh, for sure. They're yeah. not like the most comfortable and, things and in the world. And Tim has yeah. freakishly large ears, freakishly. so that's a compliment. Yeah. yeah. So they seem to yeah. fit yeah. into the isotunes pretty good. I haven't. You know why Tim's hours, ears are so big? Because he listens twice as much as he free. talks. The sound is free. <laughs> <laughs> See, it just doesn't cheapskate. work. It just doesn't work. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Okay. Okay. Well, it works with Tim because he is a cheapskate. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Throwback. It's uh, a call. What's that? Callback to the callback to the pre-show or whatever. Yeah. Callback. Show, yeah. Of which this, people you got a half hour's worth. If you're not if you're not giving us a dollar to get that pre-show, I know this is early and we're out of sync right now, but I'm just saying we did a half an hour of some pretty amazing stuff. And a lot of people are gonna get to enjoy it, but not enough in my opinion. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, I'm with you. I you know what? I really enjoyed that con- it got really heavy, heated, but I actually yeah. really enjoyed it. I did too. I I like to I like to challenge myself and my my biases. I like to challenge you guys also. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's go right into what we're working on. Uh, Bill, you look like you're working on putting on a jacket. What's going on over there? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little cold here. So, um, I just got back last night. I went for Thanksgiving, even though we're not supposed to, I guess, but whatever. I went and saw my dad's down in Palm Springs area, Palm Desert. Um, beautiful down there. It was an amazing Thanksgiving. I got to see people I love and I've missed them so much. Uh, I did not stop and say hi to Ben, Jesse, Mike Montgomery, uh, Brent McAfee, even though I was going to, but I thought, you know, it's probably creepy if I just show up unannounced. Yeah, and you know, yeah. So, pandemic. No, I've told you that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. So I didn't do that. Um, took me seven hours to get there, uninterrupted. Nobody, we left Thanksgiving morning at like 4 a.m. It was great. Left yesterday, and I had traffic nonstop from the moment I like locked the car doors. Ugh. It sucked. So we didn't get home so super late last night, and um, that's but that's what I was working on. I was working on spending quality time with people I love and being thankful. I even actually I, I said I said everybody I want you to know I am thankful for t- for Tim Pinsky and Phil Sway for being my best friends and podmates. And everybody said really. I said yeah. Get Casey on the horn. I don't believe you said that. Mm. I, don't I did. No, I totally I'm calling her right now. I don't believe you. <laughs> How about Timothy? What were you doing you're, this whole really, time? I was really still calling her, Phil. What are you doing? <laughs> not, hey, let's change answering. the subject. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, you're I, like, you know what? Three hours behind. She's probably still at work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why she's not answering. <laughs> um. So as we talked about last weekend, we're going to talk about a little more this weekend when we get into uh, Phil's stuff. Is uh, guinea pig tanks? <laughs> I've been making yeah. guinea pig tanks, and uh, I just opened the store up again today. Sales are good. Uh, I've had conversations with people overseas about potentially manufacturing them in Europe and <laughs> all this crazy stuff. So um, it's it's been an interesting thing. My my uh, my daughter Maddie has been helping me make them, and she's pretty into it. 
Um, so we'll see. It might turn into a like another business. Uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, but it's been interesting. Uh, you know, uh, we're gonna talk about it in the the topic more. But like, I, I've been into the streamlining the process and, and efficiency and all that stuff. And we'll kind of I think talk about it a little bit of that later. So, but other than that. Um, I, of course, celebrated Thanksgiving with my immediate family as well as my in-laws, and we masked up and everything. And, um, and, uh, I, uh, I have a seven-string guitar I'm working on, uh, that it's interesting that the neck is actually going to have, like, I don't know if I mentioned this, it's going to have, like, a, basically half a hexagon shape to it instead of being, like, rounded like a C. It's going to have, like, the, mm. like, a sort of angle as the guy wanted to try this out. And we actually made a dummy out of a scrap of wood, and I mailed it to him. Uh, to feel it, and it's like what he's looking for is supposed to help with some hand pain and stuff. So I'm not filming it. I'll probably put something up about it when it's done, maybe on social. Um, but um, yeah, so that's kind of interesting. And the other thing I wanted to say is that, like every year, I put out on Black Friday, I put out my my boycott Black Friday video. This is my eighth year of doing that. Um, and so I did put one out this Friday, and it's this game that I I kind of made up a bunch of years ago, and I was, like, selling the plans back then for, like, five bucks or something, but I just put the plans up for free. I reposted this older video where I did a new voiceover, explained how the game is played, how to make it. It's real simple. It's just about making a bunch of cubes and a little grid and some paint. Uh, it's a good game for, like, kids um, because there's just a minimal amount of strategy. It's more chance, but it's a fun family game. Uh, and that's totally free. If you go to my YouTube channel, you can you can see the video and, and understand the game and make it yourself if you're looking for some project ideas. Look back at my other project ideas. And the other thing I wanted to do was I put a 15% off code on newperspectivemusic.com, which is my store where I sell all my guitars, my accessories, as well as my um, squares are for sale there and stuff. So I did... Uh, I wanted to just do like a, you know, a quote, Black Friday sale for, what is it called? Like, um, Small Business Saturday, Support Plaid Friday. And so I use the, the the term Support Plaid Friday. So if you type in Support Plaid Friday, you'll get 15% off everything at newperspectivesmusic.com for the rest of the year. I'm doing it all the way till December 31st. So that means wow. a full guitar down to like, you know, like plans. Like $5 plans, you're going to get 15% off. You know, $1,000 guitar, 15% off. So, um... I just Could you to see have found a more difficult thing to spell as a coupon code? Support no. Well, broccoli is a difficult one to type because you can spell so broccoli plaid. wrong. Plaid. People figure it out. Support plaid. Friday. So do you have? Do you have? Hey, um, for fifteen percent, you can dig out the, the source or the dictionary, right? Do you have erasers? Oh yeah, I'm er- erasers. Yeah. What Here do you mean? Go. Go. go like a, just, you know, like just tell the joke. A little eraser. Just tell the joke. Just tell the joke. No, it's yeah. not a joke. Do you have? I need an eraser. Do you have erasers? I Is have your refrigerator an, running? I have an eraser here, 3,000 miles away from you. I'm saying on your store, do you sell erasers? Tim Sway Perspective Music. Oh, I no. buy one. I need an eraser. So you don't have erasers? No. Okay. No. My God. No, Can I sell that thing in for a second? Can I sell guitars. What the, why would I have an eraser? I don't know. Some people sell erasers. I don't sell swag. I sell like stuff people can use. Well, I guess you can use erasers. but How about drumsticks? Do you sell drumsticks? Nope. That's music related. It's I'm not working swag. on it. It's a new business. I'm busy making tanks. <laughs> By the way, <sighs> drumsticks, not the stupidest thing he's ever said. No, no, no. See? Yeah. There's a, I forget the guy's name, there's a famous drummer that he would only use sticks that he made himself out of this one tree that he would put branches off in his backyard. No, it wasn't Neil Park. Who's Canadian, by the way. That's the other one. <laughs> you think I need to know that? Of course I know that. 
Getty Lee. Not Jewish, but Getty Lee is. Getty Lee. Jewish and Canadian. Yes. Oh, can I can I interject one thing here? Yes. We said drumsticks, or I said drumsticks. Uh, This is unrelated. However, I got charged with carving the turkey, Mm -hmm. and I could have done a better job if I had used a sledgehammer. That is one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. Huh. The the, uh, the tofurkey, no joke. tofurkey is pretty easy to carve. It's, it's also disgusting. Um, no. no. Did you try using a sharp Wrong. knife? No, man. It was just like I. So I, I started on the breast. I got some, you know, the the white meat. Nice slices yeah. of that. Sure. And I said, well, let me see if I can hack off one of these drumsticks. It fell apart. I had little pieces sticking on me. I went to flip it over to try and get some of the meat no. underneath. I dropped it in the pan. The, <laughs> oh. the grease spilled all over me. It Rookie. was a mess, man. It was a mess. Now there was a big plate of meat. Yeah. But there was a carcass that looked like it had been blown up with like a, a TNT. I mean, it was awful. I I didn't realize how much of a skill that people know what they're doing do when they carve a turkey. Oh yeah, you need a good sharp knife, and you need a good like meat, uh, you know, prongs the, there. The fork, you know? yeah. yeah. The fork. But the knife needs to be yeah. super thin. Yeah, super thin and yeah, good chef's flex- knife. Flexible. You know what? Leave it to Casey next time. Okay, just. Uh, well, I will. And, and I know Tim is talking about tofurkey, but I also know you could probably carve the heck out of a turkey because you were a professional, not musician, but chef. It was a long time ago. I don't know if I would remember all the tricks. It's like, it's like riding a unicycle. You just do it, you know? <laughs> you and hope you don't up, screw up. You just end up throwing up at the end of it. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Just like the unicycle. Hey, like that, you. only leaves, that only leaves Phil Pinsky. Yeah, bring us home, Phil. Bring us home. Here we go. Here we go. So uh, the rink business I discussed last week uh, has uh, continued to blow up. I did. I installed five rinks this weekend. Um, And at the same time, my Etsy store has kind of taken off. And my wife yelled at me and said, you just can't do everything. Turn off the Etsy store. So I turned off the Etsy store because she's right. There's more money in the rinks currently. And uh, I want to make sure that I can get out the Etsy orders for Christmas, which is when they want it for. So I have five Etsy orders to do right now. And I just, that's it. I'll do those ones and then I'm done. And uh, look, I'm going to try to do like seven rinks this week, another seven next week. And I don't know, maybe call it Dunzo after that. Uh, But it's been a wild ride. Like my phone just won't stop ever <laughs> and and like i wake up to like five minutes hey i heard you do rinks hey i heard you do rinks hey are you doing the rink hey i got your name from so-and-so are you doing the rinks uh so it's been uh it's been pretty nuts and i have to see next year because everything i keep saying is like i'll do it better next year so mm-hmm. i'll have a maintenance program i'll have people that'll help your kids uh skate i'll get crews to help me install we'll start marketing this earlier in the season but really what i have to determine is is this covid demand or is there an actual real demand for people to do backyard rinks and have them installed? Just, just instead of going all out next time, next year, try it again. And if you yeah. get the same kind of success, no, then you go sure. forward. No, for sure. No question. Yeah. But the thing is, so there's expenses to, like, if I do it next year, I want to get wholesale on the kits. I don't want to be paying retail on everything that I'm doing, right? Right. Uh, I don't want to go out and have to rent a truck every single day. What I would do is, like, a short-term lease on a truck of, like, maybe three months and have a have a rent a cargo van for like three months and not rent or you could just buy a new truck you're a maker there's a reason to have one yeah i know but i need a cargo van i don't want to drive a cargo van all day every day that's what camper shells are for hello why do you can you get a full like covered eight or nine feet well no i mean vans are better than trucks for yeah for space and the thing is this time of year i want it 
yeah, I do want it covered, and I want like at least nine or ten feet of length inside. The okay, vehicle. fine, but it has to be four wheel drive. Yeah, I, I don't mean all wheel drive like an Astro van. I mean like a real Ford F Z, whatever it is, nine fifty. You know, pipes coming out of the top. You're clearly a vehicle expert. I should continue to take yes. advice from you. Yes. <laughs> he, listen to the man. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Oh, the FZ. I'm like writing it down. The FZ 950. Hold the phone here. That yeah. doesn't sound real. Call the dealer. Yeah. The vans are E-series, and they go up to 350. Yeah. Um, as long as you're changing your brake light fluid every week, you're fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, how much headlight fluid do you have? Yeah. A gallon? You're fine. Um, and so the Etsy and then the rings and uh, there was one other crazy thing I was doing. Oh, yeah, my job. <laughs> so I was doing that too. <laughs> yeah. So it's been, it's been nonstop. So my actual business of in- implementing ERPs has been during the week. I've been doing Etsy orders at night and I've been doing r- rings on the weekend. And so um, to say that I'm tired would be probably a pretty large understatement. Well, say what you will, but you look amazing. Yeah, you've been working Thank out. You. Thank you. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Little it's, bit. Uh, it's that time of year. It's kind of like I haven't had a day off. Like, I, obviously, I was off Thanksgiving and we had dinner, and then I've just been at the shop every day. And, you know, I was kind of telling my wife, it's like, yeah, this is going to be my life for the next two weeks, but you got to take advantage of what we can, you know? Yeah, 100%. Listen, it's a yeah. short term score. You take it where you yeah. can get it. This is definitely seasonal. Yeah. No one's going to be doing rinks in April, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, the, the rink <laughs> thing is interesting. And, you know, I mean, Maddie and I were talking about this a little bit, too, with, um, you know whether there's actually like a full-time business it's tough to tell because there's like the 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 off factor and then there's you know like is this going to be a sustainable thing are there, there going to be enough people or is it a novelty right or is it a novelty is it the next pet rock or whatever that's just going to disappear and you know and how do you make it like sustainable um you know yeah and i was like i was basically like well you don't quit your day job right away <laughs> that's how right you know? yes exactly and no, you but you, you gotta focus on yeah. what you've discovered is that pet people are passionate right yeah. so you if you once they get anything pig things dies down what else can you do in the pet world that's kind of unique well i think because right? I, I mean that's yeah like it does seem that the guinea pigs are an underserved market and, and again there's like it, there's the COVID factor too like how much of it is that people just like looking for anything bored you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's it. Well, I don't, I don't think I really so either. Don't. But um, I don't know. I'm. Just, I think these are questions to ask. From from what I can tell, like that, I, there are two you know people in the guinea pig product business in in England where they're very popular. Um, contacted me within days of me releasing that video to talk to me about you know potentially like you know manufacturing them over there, or licensing them or whatever. Um, and you know they both we a very nice conversation with both very nice people, very interesting people, and um, both different biz- types of businesses, but guinea pig related. They're just they're entrepreneurs, but they're like they came got into it because they're pet fanatics. They like their pets, and and it's an underserved market. You know, like cats and dogs are overserved. Uh, this yeah. is underserved, and people, you know, if you can make products that are ten, fifteen bucks, what's that's that's lunch. People have no problem spending that. Like that's more than they paid for the pigs. Uh, yeah, in some cases, I mean, I'm just <laughs> but um, but it's just you know, people love their pets and they love to. You know, so it has to be something that's good for the pet as well as good for them. You know, it makes sense financially and all that. So the idea would be to expand the line. You know, I mean, obviously you can make more vehicles, but not just making vehicles, but then to just turn it into a brand of of guinea pig related products. Guinea pig products, you yeah. Know, betting and whatever. Yeah. You know, what I mean, like, yeah. So here's here's what you got to make: race cars. And yeah. Then they race them. Yeah. That's not bad. Like I, 
I do want to get into other types of vehicles besides cars. One thing I was thinking about was, um, I think it'd be really fun as a bulldozer. Um, I thought that'd be cool. Oh yeah, do it's a funny. Tonka line without being Tonka. Yeah. yeah. Do the bulldozer, do the crane, but then the fire engine. Yeah, but Tonka, the next step is yeah. going to be, you know, the next step is obviously um, getting off Etsy and creating their own web store. And to start, you know, building that brand out and, um, you know, creating, like, you know, I, I need to create an Instagram for it and get people to submit photos, get a hashtag going to, to, to yeah. spread it out. And then um, from there, the next step would be perceived value. Right now, it's raw cardboard with a stamp. You know what I mean? So it would be to, you know, get a screen print or some type of thing to make the tanks camouflage with, you know, some kind of, you know, plant-based ink that's okay to chew you know, um, kids say, hmm. you know what I mean? Give them color, give them, you know, graphics. Um, pr- you know, there's bring cardboard them. that's being made out of mushrooms now. Yeah, there's also, there's leather being made and out it, of mushrooms too. And it compost, there's also, I, there's coffins made out of mushrooms or mycelium. Mm. But, um, which is so, cardboard Star Trek. being, yeah, I saw, yeah. I know what you're talking about. But yeah. yes, um, when's that coming back, by the way? I don't know. I haven't checked lately. I've been too busy. It's season five is coming out soon. Um, okay, yeah. Let's talk about stuff that isn't mushrooms. Um, let's get into our topic, which actually I guess we're kind of talking we're in about it. it right? We're in it, yeah. yeah. So the topic is, what do we call it? Giants Among Men or whatever? Yeah, it's about, yep. it's about scale. Because like, I mean, a lot of us, li- us, including people that listen to this podcast, we, we make stuff, but we, we tend to be like, I make a guitar or a desk. You know, Phil makes a whiskey box. Bill makes an art piece or a coffee table. But we don't really do, we're not factories. We're not working in scale. And so both Phil and I have found ourselves like facing scale from different angles. I'm making small things, but like a ton of them. And then Phil is making a lot, uh, but of very, very large things. Uh, and so we just thought that was the, that concept of, uh, of size was interesting. And right. Because at the end, when you start these things, right, you have to price them based on what the market will bear, not just... You know, like how much profit you intend to make. Okay, and I'll explain that, right? So let's say that I was said uh, this isn't my price, but let's say I was selling my rings for a thousand dollars, right? Um, but it cost me nine hundred dollars to do it. That's not worth my time. But if the market's not going to pay more than a thousand dollars, I've got to go the other way. Now I've got to figure out how to get my wood cheaper, how to get my kit cheaper, how to get my liner cheaper, and frankly, how to get me cheaper. And by getting, well, let me ask you real quick, not to interrupt, but you said it's not worth your time, but that's not that's for this product, right? But if you were if you were able to spend nine hundred dollars on something that took you ten minutes to put together and sell right. it for a thousand dollars, you're making a hundred bucks for a very little bit amount. You know, right, but, but, but a lot of capital and expenditure, right? Yeah. So there's a cost to putting your money somewhere. If, yeah, if but, you can uh, buy this item for nine hundred dollars, list it online, and sell it for a thousand, you know, then that's great. But if you got if you got to spend seven hours polishing it. Yeah. yeah, three hours of labor is just the on-site getting yeah. sourcing a material, getting the material, yeah. bringing it to the to the site. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So hundred bucks for let's say five hours of labor is not. No, not no, absolutely not. Yeah. Right. Absolutely not. So yeah. that's my point. The point is, how do you scale so that that kind of so that you're meeting the market demand at market price, but then also putting in enough money in your pocket to make it worth it. And so, like, my answer is, okay, now I'm going to buy some volume of those kits, right? I'm not just going to go to the supplies and say, send me one pallet. Uh, I'm going to tell him, okay, I want 20 of them, but I want wholesale. And he's going to tell me, because he already told me this, I spoke to him. He says, okay, cool, I can sell it to you at wholesale, but I need a liability insurance certificate from you, proving that you're a business and that you have liability insurance. 
And I'm like, okay, let me go look at how much that costs. And I did, and it's $2,000. So for the amount of kits that I can do this year, it doesn't pay for itself. It doesn't even cover the cost of the insurance yeah. to off, to, you know what I mean? So it's I'm better off not getting that, being a dude paying retail for them, and making all my customers sign liability waivers, which is what I've done. So then getting the plywood cheaper, impossible, frankly, because I'll never be, get to a volume that's going to bring down the price. Like, I'm not building a home. At most, I'm buying 20 to 40 sheets of plywood. How much plywood, you know, goes into one house? Mm. Those builders are maybe getting volume rebates on their on their wood. I certainly would never get there. A contractor will use 40 sheets of plywood just as throwaway to yeah, exactly. cover up just mud. cover the driveway while they back the truck up right yeah. i know yeah. so that's why so the, like yeah. i'll never get to a point on the wood where i'll get the price down and labor labor makes sense when it's not me doing it and i'm paying somebody 20 bucks an hour to do it and then i can start taking on more jobs and the mm. volume of the jobs makes it worth it and i just become a logistics guy where i'm ordering kits ordering wood and getting it to the job site making the sales calls and all that yeah Right. Yeah. I become business development. And yeah. so uh, that's kind of how I've done my ERP business. My my teams are outsourced. They're doing the programming. They're doing the uh, the functional analysis. I'm doing business development and project management. It doesn't make sense for me to sit there and load up everybody's spreadsheets when I can you know, send that out. So I've got to replicate that business model. So the point is, is that find the price that the market will bear, work backwards, and to see if it's viable for you. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of similar to, you know, what I did. I I came up with what I thought was a fair value for what the product was and based on just some preliminary numbers of the expenditures of the material and the perceived amount of time, you know, that it would take. I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, this will work. And then when I got into it, I realized that uh, it was taking too long for that number to make sense. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I did up the price a little bit, partly because the demand was there. And I also did it because then I could add, I'm making a donation to my local humane society for every, uh, for every order. So there's a portion of that is going back to charity, which is good because it's good for charity, but it's also a good marketing tool. People like to think that they're, you know, or know that they're purchased. Like every time, how many shoe companies and sock companies now, every time you buy a pair of socks, they give a pair away. You know what I mean? That's yeah. like, Tom's, I can think of. Yeah, Tom's is yeah. one of the one of the kind of founders. Of that. So, like, I was like, well, this this is something that I like to do because I like to give, you know, when I can, and this is the way I can build that into the into the the price, you know. Um, but so then it was a matter of you know when the product took off, it wasn't just like kind of having fun and throwing some sheets of cardboard into the laser. Now it became like, okay, now we need to streamline it. And honestly, I like that. I really like that process. And I've talked about it before in the podcast, like when I did a hundred mm-hmm. stools and. You know, shaving minutes off here and seconds off there uh, and cost. Like, I, I did some stuff on my Instagram, like live stories where I was showing how I was changing my laser cutter files to make them more efficient. So mm-hmm. the, the head would be moving less over negative space where it wasn't cutting and more of a cutting. And then I ended up actually removing all of the logos from the lasers. So now the laser is only cutting the shapes. And all of the logos and the words, I had like words that I put on each piece to say where it goes, you know, like front, grill, hood, you know. I made stamps for all of those and, you know, rubber stamps that I made on the laser. And so everything's stamped now. So in this case, usually it's like automation is where you save time. But in this particular case, it was handwork saves time, right? And if you, you know, like the great thing about lasers and CNCs is that you can make anything on them. But when you get into production mode, they're not the most efficient way. Uh, they're uh, prototyping uh, machines. Right, exactly. Uh, like a dedicated tool. So now the next thing I did is I just got in some um, 
two one-thousandths inch thick uh, spring steel. I'm going to try to make some die cuts of some of the parts. So if I can, um, so the idea with the spring steel is you make a wood block that you then, like that's the profile of the shape, and you bend this spring steel all around the shape into this wood block, and like with the, the you know, thin side up, and then you push it down as a cutter, it's a die cutter. Uh, if you Google die cutter, it's, yeah. it's almost like a hole punch, right? Exactly. If you Google it, you can, you'll see what it is. And, and you use like an arbor press type thing for it or whatever. And there's a, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to approach it. When I went to the Carolina factory, that's how they cut all the leather parts out. Uh, they for have sure. these steel, sharpened steel things, you know, and they have the hydraulic, it's this big table. They put the leather sheet on, you move the thing around, you get as efficient as you can, you know. So that would be the next step. Uh, into, you know, speedy it's to have some or all of the parts get cut by hand. Now you're not using electricity, you know, because the laser's sucking electricity, and it's going to be faster. Um, and I, I, I've been totally geeking out, you know, on on this side of it. Um, so that's kind of like, you know, the, the way I've been looking at the, the scaling side is, you know, is scaling the efficiency of it like that. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, I've got it running pretty good now. We can make 200 tanks a day, just about. Wow. So that's interesting. So even something like as mundane as what I'm doing, you certainly find efficiencies too. Mm. Like uh, like now, so what I did was a lot of math. So for example, when I want to run a clean side, what I'll do is I'll I'll look into the backyard and I'll find a reference edge. So my reference edge is okay. It's either the patio or a fence Mm. or a hedgerow or something that I'm I'm seeing is a straight line. I'll then take my, um, I'll, I'll stake in a couple of stakes, and I'll take a string line, and I'll just do one full line of that. And then now I know I need three and a half inches from that line. If I put the brackets up to it, as I pound it in, it'll move back three and a half inches because the, uh, the, uh, the stakes that are built into the, the brackets are kind of uh, curved back, they recurve. So when you pat, pound it in, it moves back about three and a half inches. Okay. So learning all of the way that these things react, like the first one that I did took me like four hours. Now right. I bang them out in like two and a half because I have all that stuff. And so I'll take my carpenter square and the next time I do the corner, I take my string line and I do it so it's an exact 90. And then when I get to my final side, it matches up to the to the quarter inch and I could just bend the plywood and they, it matches perfectly every time now. So I get mm. these efficiencies. And, uh, and, and I, so I staple in the the liner and what I was doing was I was stapling it in and then as a sec I go around it again with a hammer to pound the staples in so they were perfectly flat I don't want anyone snagging anything and it holds the liner in better but then I realized I'll just wear my hip pouch keep the stapler in staple staple pull the hammer out bang bang and now it takes me a little bit longer to go all the way around but I'm only doing it once now yeah so yeah. you learn all of these things, whether you're making whiskey boxes, you're making guinea pig tanks, you're making ice rinks, hmm. the efficiencies of the first one versus the tenth one, you know, you're going to get better and better and better and better, frankly. You, you know, no. it's, like, it's like I always said to Vance, whenever Vance sees someone, he goes, oh, that was cool. I wonder how they did that. I say, the answer, practice. And so he knows. Whenever I say, how did he learn to do that? <laughs> you know, yeah. practice. I know. That's it. See, there, there's a big difference in what you guys are doing. <clears throat> As opposed to having a large number of objects for one job. And Tim, you've done this with your saguaro cacti lights. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're making guinea pig tanks. You're basically selling one tank. So even if 
even as you're going along, as they change a little bit, nobody's really going to know. Phil, you're doing the same thing with the rinks, right? Because yeah. you build this one guy's rink in the garage. It took you a while. You made some changes to it. The next guy's might be a little bit different. But they're nobody's not next to each know. other. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've done a, where I, uh, I make a dozen tables for a cafe. And sometimes you don't have same. that luxury. You kind of have to, and they kind of got to all match. Or it's, I know, Tim, you've done the, the stools, right? Same yeah. thing. So there's a little bit of difference when you scale something like that. And you also, you may not have the luxury of giving the answer right away. It's like, can you do this job? I'll get back to you. Because you got to say, do I have a line on the materials? Yeah. What can I, what can I scrounge up? And is because we're reclaimed audio. Mm -hmm. So we're talking a little reclaimed here. But if you're going to give the guy an answer, hey, give me, give me a couple of days and I'll get back to you. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, I already know I've got a line on some scrap steel from this one place. They throw away these sections that are 30 inches. Uh, you know, they can't use them once they get 30 inches or less, but I can use that to make the table bases and the blah, blah. I got a line on the lumber. I don't have a line for this, so I have to see how much I'm going to pay retail for that. So there's all the things you got to scale and, and also get an idea of what you're going to spend before you do your pricing and how many of them can you make. Because if you've only got a line on, you know, uh, eight, 20 lumber feet or whatever. I mean, you, you only got enough to do so many. All of that has to factor into where you guys are both saying, well, I've got, I'm going to order this. I'm going to order that. I'm going to make these. I'll fix them as I go along. So there's a different there's process, a, I think. I agree with you. Yeah. I've also done, um, I've done like massive production runs of certain things. Like I, I, I told you about my neighbor, Billy. Everybody knows my neighbor, Billy. Yeah. Oh yeah, Billy. Uh, he's a, Billy, you know. Uh, we go way back. Yeah. You, you're actually the same age. Uh, he's also 72. Um, so <laughs> we, uh, he's in the promo business and he got in, he's got like uh, four or five, I think Tim of the lasers, but are one size larger than yours. I think they're yeah. the four by eight lasers. So he started with like some 30 by 60 inch lasers, like one. And now he's running a shop that's got like five, four by eight lasers and he's running all day long and it's a super high margin item for him, but he's always innovating, coming up with these new products. So originally he didn't have a wood shop. Now he has a fully staffed wood shop, but I was his wood shop for a little while. And I was doing like, you know, 3,000, 4,000 of an item for him and he would go and do the laser engraving on it. Hmm. And so um, he would come to me with always these last minute jobs. He'd come to me on a Thursday. I need by Monday, I need 3,000 of these. I need to give me a prototype. Um, and so the thing that I would learn is you're never going to be able to eyeball these things. It's worth it to spend the time in creating the jigs. So, yeah. for example, one of these things was basically a block of SPF, spruce pine fir, whatever, right? It was construction, but it was like, it, it wasn't, uh, it was not knotty pine. It was select, whatever, clear pine. It was all clear. It had to be specially ordered. Um, and it had three shallow holes for tea lights, and then it had one dado in the back to slot in a sign. So yeah. it was like this little sort of point of sale kind of display thing. And, uh, and so we had to source the exact perfect drill bit and it had to be a $150 drill bit because it had to be able to do thousands of holes and they had to be clean. You mm -hmm. couldn't have any tear out. You buy those cheap bits, you tear spend, out. So now you're sanding, you don't have time for that. Yeah. Correct, right. And, and, like, and you don't want to be able to, you don't want to take one of these things that you've milled, cut, done yeah. the dado in and then throw it away because you got tear out on this thing so yeah. you spend the money on the quality tooling but i set up the jigs so i had positive stops for all three holes obviously i did the run of the cutting and the chopping and the dadoing before but at one point i was like okay it's sunday morning i have a thousand of these done i called up my brother 
please bring your drill press. I will pay you $500 to come today and sit here and drill holes with me all day long. And that's what we did. We banged it out. So I think one of the lessons also is um, get some help. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's worth it to give up some of the profit to get the job done on time and on budget. Oh, yeah, that's like, you know, I, I having Maddie in the shop, and she she kind of took over, so I was able to actually even get back to working on one of my guitars I've got going on. And, uh, you know, my, my wife and son have been helping out too, but, you know, Maddie's been in there. Um, I wanted to kind of go back to what uh, Bill was saying about Reclaimed, and, uh, you know, I'm using cardboard, and it's re- it's recyclable, but I'm using new cardboard. Okay. You know, when I was making for my pigs, I was using, you know, I was cutting up cardboard boxes, and all the prototyping process was doing that, but I realized that, to do with the scale, I couldn't be cutting up mis-sized boxes and you know laying it out so I can get four pieces out of this and three pieces out of that. It just wouldn't happen. I had to have a uniform sheet so I could just create a file that each one was the same every time. And I had a lot of nice people contacting me too, like, hey, I have all these cardboard boxes I can get you, like uh, Jeff Shaw offered to help because he has a laser and cardboard boxes. Um, and, um, oh God, I'm drawing a blank on his name now. I'm sorry, someone else. Um, uh, country Bed Shop. Harju, Harju, Dan, Harju, yeah, Harju. I don't yeah. know. I just drew like he that was like he was like, dude, I have all these boxes. I don't talk about a craftsman. Holy crap! Oh my god! Um, you know, he was like, I have all these boxes. If you want them, you know, I was like, yeah, it's like I'd love to because it's you know everybody knows me as the reclaim guy, but it's like I just can't, I can't make a thousand of these like that. You know, I just I can't. You know, right? So so I was I I buying them from McMaster Car. I'm buying these pieces that are. Uh, the way the, the pieces worked out, it's like 18 by 24. But so they had this 24 by 36 sheets that I cut in half of my table saw. And I put these 18 by 24 blanks in and cut them out. They, I, I bought cardboard from some other places. They have the best cardboard. Works out the best for price-wise. So I order a box. Comes in. You know, shipping's expensive, of course, because it's a master car. But it gets there right away, which is great. And um, they have this big box with these sheets in. And there's, there's 10 packs of five in the box. And I get it. It's great. And I'm like, okay, this box could fit easily another five more, you know, of these five packs. Um, and that way I could get, you know, my unit cost down because the shipping would be the same, right? Because the box is the yeah. same size. So you're automatically looking at how they Ev- shipped it and how every, you can save money. It, especially on a product like this that's, you know, such a low value. But there's also, right. you know, it's like every one of those pennies, you know, makes a difference. Um, mm-hmm. So I call them up. I'm like, hey, you sent me this much in this box. I'm like, how many can I get in that box and have them shipped to me and it'd be the same shipping cost? And the, the types of notes, she's like, Look, looks like 15. I'm like, great. Send me 15. So they send me 15. They show up the next day. I get the bill because that's something, you know, and they actually the shipping was literally double what I paid for 10. They sent it in two boxes instead of one. One box of uh. eight and one box of seven. So I call them up and I was like, I was like, we went through this. She said 15 person says oh actually 15 weighs over 50 pounds so because it's fedex um, they can't carry more than they 40 pounds carry. so she's saying well, it has they need to, be. to know that too before they charge yeah you. so i so they actually refunded me for the shipping okay for oh, half good. the shipping you know which is nice and they said try 12 there's 12 should work so i just ordered 12 so we'll see what happens tomorrow <laughs> why aren't they shipping it to freight why are they shipping it parcel uh they do like a fedex Speed. freight thing um but it's FedEx. That's because just, you can accept a pallet at your location, right? Yeah, well, no, I can't really. It's a, it's a hassle, but I don't want a pallet of it. Um, I don't uh, want to buy that quantity because then you're talking. Oh, that's way more than I haven't come close to a pallet yet. You know. Uh, well, at okay. some, at some point. I'm ordering when, pallets, it, it, that's why. Yeah, 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 <laughs> for what you're doing. They're yeah, dropping I mean, them was, in my driveway. Yeah, this, this stuff weighs, you know, each tank weighs two ounces. 
Right. You know, it's not. I'm not doing tanks like you. Or tr- uh, you're doing. So at some point, if this looks like it's going to continue, Tim, then it would be. Would worth you be it. willing? Would you be willing to pay a little bit more for the cardboard if it was recycled material? Oh, that's not recyclable, but already re- made from recycled materials. Yeah, that's something right. I would think so. about. And, and again, that's the the perceived value. And if if we're going to turn this in, right now, it's an Etsy shop. If we're going to make this a business, then we're talking, you know, inking it. We're talking using, you know, post-grade consumer recyclables. You know, all that all that stuff would be, you know, even the like the shipping. Like, you can see, um, you know, I'm doing, I'm just doing these polypack bags right now. But it would, because I didn't want to do, uh, I don't want to put them in a cardboard box. It just seems silly to spend more money on a cardboard box than the cardboard that's inside it, you know. So I'm using these poly, and I'm hoping, you know, I'm going to knock on everything wood around here that, they're surviving shipping. I know a few people have already gotten them and they and they were okay, but there is the risk. Like the ones going overseas, they might get mangled. You know, we'll see. I mean, I might be doing a lot of refunds. That's something that might happen too. You know, which is which is fine. Like right now, it's like a you know that's what I'm doing. And then and then there's also you know some male guinea pigs are huge. Are they going to fit in these things? And that's why I'm hoping to get all this R and D back because then if I do go into like business mode. So you're not, you're not only scaling the production itself, but you might have to scale the actual product up a size That's or two. Hysterical. Right. For fat guinea the, pigs. Yeah, I have the one tank. <laughs> the one tank was designed with large male pigs in, in mind, but uh, you know, I don't, maybe we'll be big enough. I don't know. We'll see. You know. Big and tall, guineapigtanks.com. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what you're both saying is that a lot of the stuff that you scale up or you scale to do these larger jobs... There's a lot of change that comes with that as you as you grow in your production, as you grow in how much this might take off or, or what more you might do. I mean, Phil's even talking about uh, buying a, a cool Ford FZ 950. Yeah, the FZ 950. So, yeah, yeah four uh, To talk more specifically about that, I will talk about tooling. Okay, so uh, when I was doing the batch job of three or four thousand of these uh, little display units. Um, you know, there was getting the right uh, drill bits, right? So we spent $300 on the proper drill bits because it was one for my brother also. But there was also taking the time to build the jig fixtures, right? Mm-hmm. Because if I tried to eyeball this, especially um, I had to repair on my drill press my depth stop. And if I didn't take the time, right. the hour or two to do that, I'd be, I'd be putting tape on the bit and trying to guess that each time and you'd never get a consistent result. I took the time to do to make a fence for the uh, the drill press, and then making positive stops, you know, with drops, so that it would go slot to the exact right spot on every single one. I can come yeah. down, and I could literally listen to music the entire time and not think and just do a job for hours and hours on end. And mm-hmm. I have to tell you, even right now, the tool I use most for installing the the rinks is my hammer, and mm-hmm. I realize. Um, my hammer's too small for this. I normally, I'm normally <laughs> comfortable with a 12 ounce hammer. Oh, what you're doing? You need at least a 16 ounce hammer for. I need, I need a 16 ounce hammer. A, yeah. a Vance uses a 12 ounce <laughs> hammer. Come on, Vance. I know, man. But what? I, I never use a hammer. What are you hanging like, a picture think about frame? What we do so in that's... a workshop? You don't, you don't use a hammer. Like I'm not pounding in nails, right? Yeah. Well, so now I realize I'm gonna go get myself a nice 16 ounce East Wing, yeah, S Wing, East Wing, S Wing. S-wing. S wing, S wing. Yeah, get myself a nice S wing single body steel hammer with the rubber grip. Bill, make the noise, please. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, that's that's the plan. So, tooling. Spend the spend the money on the tools to get the job done better, more efficiently. Yeah, 
uh, you know, I was, I'm, I'm thinking, like, if this is something that continues, like, obviously we're talking about the die cutters and spending some time on that, but I'm, th I'm thinking I might end up with another laser someday, too. Like, this, if this does become a thing, I can't have yeah. my laser, like, if Maddie takes over just, like, making guinea pig things, I can't have her using my laser all day. I need it, you know? Right. right. So... Yeah. That's a consideration. Yeah. So the, the precision you're talking about, having to make the jigs because you can't eyeball stuff. So, again, going back to some of the reclaimed projects that I've done, um, one of the niceties about that is making things that look like they're eyeballed on purpose. Oh, I mean, yeah. That, yeah. It's, it's, okay, but that's handmade, right? So when you're on Etsy, that's exactly what you're paying for is that handmade no, look. No, no, like, I know. Like but again, when I'm... I'm selling a, a specific type of look of a thing that somebody wants a dozen of. I want them to see that these are all going to be a little bit different. They are made. The production is all the same. I'm going to cut a bunch of this block to make mm. all of them. I'm going to cut yeah. all the steel to make that. I'm going to weld it all together. So you still have a production going on. But the, the end result, because, yeah, it's not necessarily perfect, but that's the look. So right. at the end of the day, it's like that's what they want. That's what they're expecting. So that saves a little bit of that. That gives you some wiggle room when it comes to well, this one's not exactly like this one. Yeah, that, that was like so, the stools I made, I guess, like because all the tops they had their own flaws or whatever, you know. Yeah, I had the same thing with the whiskey boxes. Like yeah. I, I don't know where a nail hole's going to end up or a giant chip out's going to be, but you sand it smooth, and I don't know how it's going to take the stain, right? Because pallet wood is either pine, spruce, or fir. I wasn't using any hardwood, and. It all takes stain differently, even if you use a conditioner. It's like, all terrible at taking stain. It's all it terrible. <laughs> but like, but even if I, what I land up doing was laminating, let's say, fur and pine together, it's very different, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, Douglas fur is so resiny, like it just doesn't take the stain pr like the same way, you know. And like pine, which could have been very dry, takes it really well and soaks it up, and so you've got like a much darker bottom than you do a top. So, but. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, reclaimed mm. material has its own character, and that's what attracts to people. It looks like it's got a story to tell, mm. and I think that's the most important part about reclaimed. Well, it's just, it depends. I mean, there's it's, it's not hard to also take reclaimed material and mill it or do it in a way that you can make everything exactly the same. Uh, yeah. There's ways to do that. Too hard. But think about that when you're going into this. Do you want, does the, does the client just want, look, I need eight of these boxes the same size, the same color. Or do they say, "Hey, I want these boxes to be to look like they're distressed or industrial or yeah. whatever, whatever fancy name you want to call it?" So just keep that in mind if you're selling a product or a service that you have. You know, you have options that go on that. I have plenty of time. The guy's willing to pay for it. I'll I'll make this stuff legit, exact, right? You know, form to well, fit or whatever. There, there's a reason reclaim sells for more, right? And it's not just the look. Okay. It's the labor that goes into it's the milling. It's the labor, the prep. It, not yeah. just the labor in making it, though, but also the labor in sourcing it. You cannot, I mean, I, I know you can, but for the most part, you don't go and buy pallets. You've got to go and find them. And then when you find them, you got to find the right ones, and you got to make sure that you've got enough of the right ones, right? So, and, and then you've got to cull them, and you've got to take them apart. And taking them apart, you land up splitting them. And then, so, you know, so there's all this that the person is paying for even before you get to a point where you've laminated up a panel and milled it. Yeah, a lot of waste. To work with yeah. it. Yeah. Right. And, and, and also, you are paying for that carriage. So I have a client, and I made him a door handle. And the last video that I put out, I made him a, a cover, a friction fit cover for a light fixture inside a sauna. And the thing that he loved most about working with me was that, one, he got exactly what he wanted. 
um, but also that there was a story to tell about each one of these objects and the person that made it. I got this door handle. It used to be a pallet, and it was made by a guy in his wood shop, in his house, and, you know, and, like, this fixture up here, this actually used to be, like, a hundred-year-old desk, and it's made out of solid maple. You know what I mean? Like, there's... The word is artifact, right? Mm. Sometimes people pay extra for things that they get to keep in their homes that they consider to be an artifact, a, an object which has a story behind it and is interesting to talk about. Hey, uh, nice desk. Uh, where'd you get it? Ikea. Cool. Yeah. Where'd you get that desk? Oh, my God. Sit down. I got a story to tell you. There's this guy. He's wacko, and he charges a lot of money, but he made this from X, Y, and Z, and this front part here is actually made from this... Uh, this boat called the Ernestina. You know what I mean? Like, people pay more for that. And it's an oh, important yeah. part of Reclaimed. So, last thing I think maybe uh, going on to scale, right? We talked about scaling up production and things like that. What about, what have you guys done that have been scale-wise huge? What big thing have you made as opposed to a small thing? And what what did you find the challenges or... You know what I mean? Do you, what do you prefer? I have one thing to say. Okay, so I, right. big things that I've built have been my deck, and my fence, my daughter's closet. I don't know, but a bunch of big things. Whatever. I wish I did somebody else's before I did mine. You, <laughs> it's the other way around. You learn so. My biggest challenge, especially with my wife, who's got very high expectations about the things that I make, is that everything that I make is for the first time. When I went mm -hmm. and did my fence, I hadn't done 10 of them. That was the first one I ever did. And that's always going to be the crappiest one that you do, is the first one you make of something. Mm. And I don't Especially when it's big. When you Especially, when you yeah. mess up big, it's a big mess up. Yeah. Right. So I will make, I'll make a call, right? I'll be like, okay, I'm trying to make this one side, and I want to make the other side uniform. So I'm going to lop off six inches from the bottom of every single fence section that I bought pre-built. First of all, that was the biggest mistake. I shouldn't have bought pre-built fence sections. I thought I was doing myself a favor. <laughs> Stupid. Because then I had too challenging to work with. Hmm. So then when I went, the first section, which was a much shorter section, looked fine with that lopped off six inches at the bottom. But then my land wasn't even, and I wanted the heights to match. So I made all the heights match, but my land dipped down. And so yeah. the bottom six inches is now a gap of six yeah. inches underneath the fence. And my wife looks at it and she goes, well, animals are going to get in. And I'm like, well, I guess I could cover it and, like, forget it, right? So, like, the whole thing is ruined. I spent two days building a fence that she doesn't love. It's okay, but she doesn't love it. And yeah. so... And I it looks I flat too. First. Before you put the fence in, everything looks flat. It's like, oh, yard's flat, but right. yeah, and the, you, you don't see six that inches. Land is flat. That yeah. walls are ninety degrees. That oh. walls are perfectly even. But carpentry is very different than woodworking. Mm -hmm. Carpentry, you have to deal with irregular angles, and that nothing is perfect. With woodworking, you can mill, flat, joint, and make everything perfect. Carpentry is very different, and that is something that I've learned from big projects. Yeah, my similar story would be like I built a shed in our in our yard, and uh, it came out pretty good. I'm pretty proud of it, but um, yeah, like Always you know, it, the 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 scale thing you talk about, like you know, you you make a you make a rectangle, you know, you measure from corner to corner to make sure yeah. it's straight. You know, you make a coffee table, you know, and you measure from corner to corner, and it's off by like a sixteenth of an inch. You're like, hey, you know, all right. You make a shed. If you get it, if you're off by like an inch or two, it's like. Yeah, you know, like, but it's tough to like if you've if you've been making tables for years and then you go to make a shed, 
and you're off by two inches, like you're pulling your hair out until you just kind of realize, you know what? No well, one's going to see this. No. The scary thing is, is that you can start off being an inch off on your shed, but the other end you're off by about a foot and a half. Right, because it right. grows exponentially. Right, it can happen. Yeah, it can happen. And <laughs> yeah, then, yeah. But then, and nowadays, like you know, I make I make guitars where like like I just actually recut a guitar because I was off by a tenth of an inch, you know, on something. I was like, oh, this isn't going to work. I need to I need to start over. So like, you know, there's like those are all different disciplines to think at the hundredth of an inch. And then, you know, at the, at the inch and at the foot. Like, they're just totally different disciplines. And we yeah, think that, like, sure. oh, I make guitars. Of course I can hang a fence. No, you can't. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. The only commonality is that they're both wood. But yeah. at the end of the day, well, yeah, Joe, there's two completely different art forms. Yeah. Well, yes, yes. I mean, so so one of the things I love about bigger projects, and uh, for, for an example, uh, the salon, the, the styling station that I designed. Now, this thing is three four foot uh, squared and it's about seven foot tall and I designed it to where you can have it sitting there and it's mobile but you could be cutting hair on one side stylist and a client looking at a mirror on one side and on the opposite side stylist and a client looking in a mirror on the other side doing the haircuts and they're completely separated Mm-hmm. You know, never the two shall meet. And what's satisfying about doing something on a scale like that is when you, and the same thing with your shed. When you're done with that shed, you can put stuff in it. When you're done with that fence, you've now got privacy in your yard. The satisfaction of something mm. big and grand, mm. the satisfaction of me walking by the salon on the outside, looking in through the windows and seeing these giant stations that I built, and people don't even have a clue of what went into it and again they're sitting on each side of this thing and they don't they don't care what's going on the other side of that they're so separated by this thing that i built that looks cool and it's big and you you just take that satisfaction as i made this as opposed to a beautiful picture frame that i made for somebody that's sitting on my desk and it's pretty and it's got a nice picture of you know baby bow in it and it's it's lovely and it's like eh, totally whatever Totally it's different. totally different. So that satisfaction when you can create this gigantic, bigger than life thing, 100%. and it works out. You know, hundred percent. It's love. different. It's like it's like being. You can experience the thing on a very large scale is extremely satisfying. This, this topic has been large scale, and it's I been, think yeah. we can't get any bigger. The three of us are giants among men. Oh, Here I we guess. go. Here we go. Uh, iTunes review review. I didn't check. We got anything? We yes. got one. What? Well, then in that case, we might have something internationally. Let me check. Uh, Tim, you uh, you didn't know how to look up our reviews last time. You want to get this one? We have just one. I'm doing it the back door through our website, which is reclaimedaudiopodcast.com, in case you didn't know. But you don't have access to the back door. Only Phil and I, not even Bill does. And mm-hmm. we got this from JCHDZ90. Um, and it says, my brother Jose from Holland grabbed my phone and started writing a review I thought he was going to stalk on Instagram, but instead he gave you a five star. So, I'm okay with all of that. Yeah. Yes. And, <laughs> cool. and Jose sent us an email to say that. Yes. So, Jose, thank you. You are my favorite Jose that ever lived in Holland. I'm just saying. Uh, here, here. 100%. Yeah. I didn't even know there were Jose's living in Holland, to be honest with you. Jose's everywhere, man. Fair enough. That's a good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Uh, weekly, you know if there's any, are there any Canadian Jewish fills? You know, uh, I know at least two. No, see, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, weekly tip segment. Can I talk about standing? All right. Everybody, yeah. every uh, everybody's went, favorite. 
Yeah, it was very so sand, sanding blocks. Um, if you know, we think of sanding blocks as you know blocks of wood that we hold, or like um, one one of my tips for sanding is to when you break your twenty dollar um, palm sander or even your $50 because they all break after like a year or two if you use them every day. Uh, when you break your palm sander, the, the hook and loop, the five-inch circle hook and loop thing, unscrew that from it before you throw it out or recycle it in the electronics recycling center. Um, and and uh, I just glue a block of wood or something onto those. Or sometimes I don't, I don't even I have a couple of them laying around. And uh, I just use those as hand sanders, right, as a sanding block, right? So it doesn't have to be oh, anything fancy. Like, yeah, the platen. Yeah, just the hook and loop yeah. part, you know. So you don't have to have anything fancy so you can use your palm sander sandpaper for hand sanding and if you if you don't have that you haven't broken yours yet you can use a block of wood of course with um a little spray glue and spray glue some sandpaper onto it of course everybody knows that but uh you know sanding doesn't have to just be flat like sometimes you have to get into to curved areas and stuff so you can also of course cut pieces of wood in the shapes that you need to sand and then do the same thing to sand in there um and my my tip is uh erasers if you go to like the dollar store um you can buy those giant erasers they're usually like novelty eraser size they say um you know for big mistakes on them and they're just big pink erasers Mm -hmm. usually about they're about two inches wide by five six inches long and these make fantastic sanding blocks because they're a little flexible and you can kind Mm -hmm. of you know get around curves and stuff um and you can also cut them real easily you know with just a razor blade um and cut into smaller little pieces if you just have these weird little areas that you need to sand so you can wrap your sandpaper around it and sand in there. So that's kind of my big tip. And then the other tip I have is um, plastic bags, like shopping bags, like those horrible, horrible things. You can actually like lay those out flat and kind of get the wrinkles out and roll them up, roll a whole bunch of them up and do the same kind of thing with those. Um, I have a roll of they're like little dog waste bags, like the kind of little bags you'd take when you're walking your dog. Um, my buddy gave them to me when he was showing me how to do some fret work and he had just like a little roll like because they were still they weren't ever unrolled so it was like the way they came out of the box you know just this roll of these plastic bags and you put a couple pieces of masking tape around them to, to hold them tight and they have just a little bit of give and we because we all do this all the time with our fingers and stuff where we just because like, our finger has give and so we try to sand over something but our fingers are imperfect and they get they get sore and you can and they burn slip yeah you can slip and burn yourself <clears throat> but using things like plastic and erasers you can do the same thing without running the risk of accidentally sanding your finger off you know so hmm. that's my sanding I'd, I'd like to point out before i go uh, uh any further that if you decided to put erasers in your store you could have just if a thousand people right now said wow tim that's genius if they would have been in your store you could have sold them for 15 percent off you wouldn't need the guinea pig tanks i'm just saying i hate that i let it come back full circle but i love that you grabbed yeah, it and ran with that. it it was perfect yeah dog on right i hate i gave it to you i hate that i threw that one at you but i'm glad that you picked it up and ran with it because i didn't even realize it and it was a good well, one. I was, as I was listening to it, I was like, wait, I knew that Bill was waiting for his turn to talk, which is unusual. I, I have totally forgotten about that. <laughs> that um, good job, Here's Bill. another tip for your tightly rolled, you know, uh, shopping bags. You can use those to, um, like, if you really tightly wrap them and tape them so that they're like a rigid structure, if you've got an exposed area of them, your disc sander or your belt sander, you can sort oh, of push it up clean, against there and it'll get it. rid of the yeah. gunk and they'll clean them and it'll refreshen your sandpaper. Yeah, yeah. I actually have a I have a plastic container that I just shoved a bunch of plastic bags in so much that they're sticking out of the top, and I just I, yeah. I pick it up and hold it against like a peanut butter jar type thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. Let, let let me add to that real quick. If you're in a pinch, use the bottom of your shoe. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you got chucks on. 
I don't know why, but that's just cool. You can also use those erasers that I sell over at newperspectivesmusic.com. <laughs> save 15% yeah, this week with support Plaid Friday. <laughs> they're for big mistakes. Um, what grabbed your attention this week, Bill, would you say? You know, I'm, I got a good one. Do tell. Um, so, Wesley Treat has uh, uh, just released a video of his burner burner mini grill of which he's going to send us one which Wes I know you're listening because you're a fan of the show I'm a fan of you yeah. I just want to make that yeah. clear Wes is awesome but let me say why I'm a fan of this video that Wes just put out because I learned a lot of things I didn't know I learned that a furder is actually a suffix pertaining to German either worsts or sausages like, like a frankfurter furder correct yeah that's what a furter is. A furter is a suffix after some German foods. Who knew? I also learned that Germans. Frank N. Furter. Hold on, hold on. Frank N. Furter was a character played by Tim Curry in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You didn't know that, did you? Five B's for a quarter, you'd say. <laughs> I also learned that if you listen to the beginning of Wes's... Uh, uh, or if you watch the beginning of Wes's video, you're going to see a little caption where he actually uses the term stunt wieners. Oh, nice. Hmm. I haven't seen the video yet. Tim, you say words now, please. Uh, I haven't uh, seen, the, I haven't seen the video yet, but I'm so definitely looking forward to trying to grill some uh, some broccoli on that uh, on that broccoli furter grill. Broccoli griller. What about what about um, what about like some star wieners? You know, the star, like that star patties and you know what I'm talking about? Oh, uh, well, yeah, they call them veggie dogs or soy dogs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We could do that. We could do that, too. But I thought it'd be more fun to do like something like really foofy, like asparagus. There's really nothing fun about broccoli, Tim. I, we've been we've been humoring you all this time, but it's not. Broccoli is awesome, man. It's good stuff. Uh, factually, the podcast Factually with Adam Conover, who is the Adam Ruins Everything guy. If you've ever seen that show, which is a great show. Um, the latest episode is on, he talks to a guy that like studies conspiracy theories and like how they happen and where they come from. And it was uh, super, super interesting and eye opening and, uh, talking about biases and, and all that stuff. Um, what I love about Adam Conover is that, you know, he's the guy that, you know, pushes his glass up on his nose and says, well, actually, and tries to find the truth and the true story behind everything. I mean, that was his whole gimmick. Right. Um, but he's also the guy, he does that even be when it goes against what he wants to believe. And so it's fun listening to this episode because you listen to him kind of like have these, he even says it at one point, it's like, uh, I, I got to stop and think because I'm realizing now some of the faults in my own logic and my own thought processes. So this is something um, super, super interesting to listen to and go into it with an open mind and go into it understanding that the guest is a guy that's been studying this stuff for a long time. So he knows what he's talking about um, and uh, allow yourself to learn, you know? Yes, hmm. indeed. Uh, mine is, and I'm, I'm convinced I've said it before, but uh, Badger Workshop. Yeah, he's out of the he's out of the UK. Uh, he recently did a video about gifts and stuff, and he did one that was really cool. Just basically a triangle made out of three panels, and you sort of rest your open book on it. So it's like a place to put down a book, and it also works as a bookmark. You know what I mean? So kind of like a... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen those. Yeah. So it's yeah. super clever. Um, and I he does, like, a video every single week. It's always really, really good. And I love that, like, 
yeah, he does a good job on the production value, not to take anything away from it, but it just like, it's like what these videos were years ago when we first started doing it, and it was just like, it was all about a basic wood shop that just about anybody could have, and I love it, and it just makes me feel good. He's got a great voice for narration, and uh, I just think he's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. Um, let's go here. What do we got? Uh, We're yeah, done. We did that. We did that. Okay, yeah. check, check, check. Our websites, williamlutes.com, timsway.net, newperspectivesmusic.com, and of course, guineapigthanks.com. Contact us for show topics, suggestions, feedback, all that good stuff. We love hearing from you guys. Email us at info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com. Send us those voice notes. We will play them on air and probably respond to them. Hit us up on Twitter at Reclaimed Audio. iTunes reviews. You can go right to reclaimedaudiopodcast.com, and there is a link to iTunes that will pop open and let you leave a review right there. Um, I am being told that if you've already left a review, it actually really is not helped to leave another one. But what you can do is bother your brother in Holland to leave a review, you know, from Holland, of course. It only works if your name is Jose. And patreon.com slash reclaimed audio, the best way to support this podcast and get access to the pre-show. For a dollar, you get access to the pre-show and you are a supporter of the show. For $10, you get that as well. And you get your name read aloud with a list of heroes at the top of the show. So, thank you very much, and have a great week, everyone. Bye, everybody. Be good. For goodness sake. <laughs>